If you're driving down a highway and you notice a field of sheep, you'll want to slow down. You'll want to take a closer look and you see their white wool against the green pasture on the hillside. There's nothing more delightful than to see a flock of sheep in a dark green field. Now, Christians are likewise to be attractive. I often say that there's nothing better that can happen to a person than to meet a real born-again Christian. There is just something about that spirit-filled believer that will even make the world take note. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Always a joy to bring the gospel to your home, to your heart. And I trust that you will receive the message that the Lord Jesus is truly the only Savior of the world. Yes, we have a very inclusivist message. There is no salvation outside the Son of God. Jesus himself, who is the master teacher, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And today our message is where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the reason that he gave for making that claim is the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And think about it. There is no other founder of religion that has offered up his own life as a sacrifice to God to save his people. And there's no other Savior that has risen again from the dead and is alive forevermore to save his people from their sins. And so this is the glorious message of the gospel. We'll be singing today as well the hymn at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. But firstly, let's begin with prayer and ask the Lord to minister to your heart, whatever your need may be. O God, our Father, we thank Thee through the Lord Jesus for the way of access into the presence of God by prayer, for this great means that You've opened up for us, a way to worship Thee and to bring our petitions unto thy throne, because thou art our Father, and we who are washed in the blood of Jesus, who are saved by grace, are thy children. And so we come to thee as our Father in our need, and I pray that you will bless this message, the ministry of this program today, to each heart. Lord, may you forgive sin to those that are living under its awful guilt. May you give repentance to those that have the curse and the struggle against the world. And may you grant faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Redeemer of God's elect. And so we commit this program to thee. We pray that you'll take your own word and make it to be a living seed that it will 
fall upon good ground and bring forth much fruit. And by the Holy Spirit, O God, be pleased to water it, that there may be glory unto thy name. And so hear prayer and answer for us. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. stand a moment as we pray before the preaching of the word today. O Lord, we sing this hymn with delight and yet with sobriety, knowing what it costs thee to give thyself upon the cross, to suffer in our place, to make full payment for our guilt and sin. We rejoice today that our Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. Help us to take it in. O Lord, grant that you will write it deeply upon our hearts, that we may rejoice in our Lord Jesus as the good shepherd of our souls. Help, Lord, in the preaching today. Help in the pulpit. Help in the pew. Grant that your presence, your Holy Spirit, will hover over us, and we will have that joy of the Lord in our souls as we handle thy word today. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. We're back here in John chapter 10, this parable of the sheep and the shepherd. And our text would be verse 11, where the Lord Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The Lord commonly spoke by parables. And what a benefit a parable is. A parable is a parallel line of thinking. It parallels with something we already know, something that we're familiar with. And in this parable of the sheep, well, everybody in Judea knew about sheep. And when the Lord began to speak that he is the good shepherd and his people are the sheep, I'm sure their ears picked up and they listened most intently. Now, the first thing to think about sheep is that they are attractive. If you're driving down a highway and you notice a field of sheep, you'll want to slow down. You'll want to take a closer look. 
and you see their white wool against the green pasture on the hillside, there is nothing more delightful than to see a flock of sheep in a dark green field. Now, Christians are likewise to be attractive. I often say that there's nothing better that can happen to a person than to meet a real born-again Christian. There is just something about that spirit-filled believer that will even make the world take note. Sheep also are very needy. They're probably one of the most helpless domestic animals you could think of. They can do literally nothing for themselves except munch grass and hay. That's all they can do. They can eat, but they can't find their own way. They can't clean themselves. They can't get over various obstacles. And there are all kinds of problems for sheep. And so likewise with God's people. That's why we need churches and pastors and congregations. Christians are to be in a flock where they are being cared for. And as sheep are vulnerable, they are a prey to all kinds of uh, wild beasts. Sheep have no fangs. They have no claws. They can't defend themselves. All they can do is worry and run or try and stay out of the way. And likewise, Christians are vulnerable. We are always open to reproach, to the mockery of the world, and even persecution. Many of God's people around the world are severely persecuted, driven from place to place, simply because they call themselves a Christian, they believe in the Lord Jesus. And so, Christians need a shepherd. We need the Lord to comfort. We are told to turn the other cheek, to pray for our enemies. And just as sheep have no claws or fangs, we don't fight back in a physical manner, but rather we obey the Lord and pray for our enemies. And so sheep need a shepherd who truly loves them and one who really cares for their welfare. And so do we. We need a Savior that really cares, who we can say is the good shepherd, the shepherd who will truly take care of us. Not like the hireling that is mentioned here, the hireling who fleeth when the wolf cometh, the hireling that really loves the wages more than the sheep. He doesn't really care for the sheep. He's there for the pay. And if it's going to risk his life, he will run and leave the sheep to the wolf. Thankfully, we don't have a shepherd like that. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now, the Lord not only talked about loving his sheep unto death, he did it. He proved his love by going all the way to the cross, by dying, suffering, bleeding in our place. And that's why we can with great confidence today say that our Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one I want. He is trustworthy. I can trust in him with all my heart. I have confidence that he will not fail me. He's the one who proved his caring, loving spirit for my soul because he died on that cross even 
for me. Now, I looked at the word good in this text. It might seem very uh, simple-minded to be looking for a definition of the word good. Even a little child can understand that. But it does bear a little extra meaning, and it can also mean better. It means better. He is the better shepherd, better than all the uh, thieves and robbers that were before him. They came with a different agenda. Our Lord Jesus came with the true agenda to save us from our sins and from hell. And so he is worthy. He is better. He is the true shepherd. And so today we are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. We want the whole world to know what a great shepherd we have, what a trustworthy Savior that we enjoy and walk with and worship with great confidence. And so I want us to become ambassadors. I want you to be able to tell your neighbors and your friends this good news. And I want to equip us, each one, that we might tell the story well of the Good Shepherd. And you can just imagine someone asking you, How, what is all this interest in the Lord Jesus? What's all this interest in Him alone? Why is He so special? Why is He so good? Well, the Lord tells us in this passage, and we want to dig what we find here right out of this chapter, uh, that He is the Good Shepherd, because his people, his sheep, were given to him by the Father. The Father assigned a flock of sheep to the Son, and they are his people. Now, that arrangement between the Father and the Son we call a covenant. It is an agreement. And the Father gave every one of those sheep to the Son, and the Son, in agreement, undertook to be the Savior, to save those people, and to bring them one day to glory. And so the Father chooses the sheep and gave them to Son, even before the creation of the world. That's what the Bible teaches us. We're chosen from before the foundation of the world. And it was with those sheep in mind, those given to him by the Father, that the Lord takes up this work, takes up this office of Savior and Redeemer to save His covenant people. Now, some people find that strange language, certainly not everyday street language, when we talk about being a covenant people. But we use that in the sense that we are the sheep the sheep that the Father gave to the Son, and the very sheep that the Son undertook to obey the Father and fulfill every obligation to redeem and save those sheep from destruction. Now, these sheep are marked. The Lord knoweth his sheep by name. He calls them my sheep. The Good Shepherd loves his people because the Lord calls them my sheep. There is now a personal attachment. And if we think of other passages in the Bible, we could say he's married to his people because this church is his bride. 
and she is greatly loved, and he calls them my sheep. And so as soon as the father contracted with the son in this covenant arrangement to bear the sins of his people, the Lord Jesus, as a husband, takes charge of the bride, his sheep, his people, and his love for each and every one of them is paramount in his heart. Now, if you look at verse 14, you'll see that uh, this is referred to where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. They're his and they're dear, precious, and deeply loved. Now, in Revelation 7, you have the mark, the seal of the Spirit upon every believer. I know that when people think of Revelation and marks, they think of the mark of the beast, which we don't want. But God's people are also marked. They are sealed unto the day of redemption, and they are identified with the Lord. And that appears a number of times. Let me just take a few minutes to look at that. Revelation 7 and verse 3, that would be the first one. Revelation 7, verse 3, saying, Hurt not the earth, the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now, who can see this? Who detect this? Yet we can see that the servants of God, they are marked, they are sealed in their foreheads. And over in chapter 14, Revelation 14 and verse 1, we have this again. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And so, just as a farmer will mark his sheep and paint some particular part of their body behind the neck or the rump or somewhere, and they'll put that farmer's mark on the sheep, the Lord Jesus knows, he marks, he identifies every one of his people. And that's you and me. The Lord knows his sheep. They're his sheep. He is specially interested in each and every one. And this is wonderful protection. It's a wonderful reassurance for the child of God as we live in this world. And we wonder what the future holds, what events may befall the nations or us individually, sickness, death, whatever comes upon us. But remember, as a Christian, you are sealed, you are marked, and you belong to the Lord Jesus in health, in sickness, in death, even in the grave. And the Lord will raise us up on that great day because we belong to him. And that's his great purpose, that he will bring everyone of his sheep to glory, and not one of them. And so our Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. Here's another reason. The good shepherd loves his sheep unto death. Our Lord is no mercenary. He is not out to make money out of you and me. Now, I know we mentioned the offering basket. God's people are to tithe to God's work, and we have certain obligations as Christians and believers in the Lord's church. But the Lord's not out to make himself rich out of you and me from our material things. 
But our Lord himself was selfless, even unto death. He was not working for the wages of filthy lucre. He came to purchase at infinite cost through his own precious blood. And the only reward that the Lord Jesus receives is the well done of his heavenly Father. When he presents his sheep, his people, to the Father on that great day, and he says, Father, here are the people that you've given me. I have taken them as mine. I have washed them in my blood. I have kept them out of the world. And here you are. I'm glorifying them, bringing them into your presence. And the Lord, of course, will receive glory on that day for the final work of redemption. And so he is truly the good shepherd who loved his sheep. Listening to Let the Bible Speak, this is Pastor Ian Golliher. Perhaps you're saying, these people are always preaching the gospel. And of course, you would be right. That is our burden, to preach the gospel, to tell sinners that there is a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. And it is at the cross where we begin when we come as a sinner to Jesus. And I want to be a pointer, a helper, to any who are seeking peace with God and true fellowship with the Father through the Lord Jesus. I have in my hand here the booklet, A New Beginning. 
and it's a, a small booklet of 32 pages. The last section is about dealing with problems. And there are those who may say, well, I have made a profession of faith. I have prayed the sinner's prayer, but I still have difficulties. Well, I want to read to you just what this section says. The devil often uses all his wiles to discourage and defeat God's people. Here are some of the things that discourage Christians. In each case, we can overcome discouragement and live effectively for God. Some become discouraged by opposition. This world is no friend of Christ. It opposed and crucified him. Small wonder, then, if it opposes us who serve Christ. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now that's the the words of the Lord Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. And so, instead of becoming discouraged by opposition, we should ask God for grace to bear it as the early Christians did, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Remember, though we may suffer opposition, we are on the winning side. No matter who opposes us, God is for us. And the Apostle Paul said, If God be for us, who can be against us? And so, if you have recently professed faith in the Lord Jesus, and you find that there's so little encouragement that everything seems to pile on top and to drag you down, then rejoice, because Christians will find this kind of not only physical opposition, but spiritual opposition, the devil himself trying to confuse you and confound you. But go to the promises. I would certainly exhort you to go back to the Bible, go to those promises, and especially those texts that you prayed on when you called on the Lord to save your soul, and pray them over and over, and let them sink into your heart. If I can ever be of any personal help, I'm here for you. Give me a call at 604-897-2040. Or go to the website, ltbs.ca, and there you'll get all the information how you may be in touch and of other items of help and information. If I can send you a copy of this booklet, A New Beginning, free of charge, I will certainly do that. Just give me a call or send me an email. If you would like to order a... Uh, group of 25, let me see now, 10 copies for $25. I'll be glad to put those in the mail to you as well. So, the Lord bless you and encourage you today. Press on, my brother. Let the Lord's will be done. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.